is finding their place. Open up your Bible to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. But as you're finding your way there, there is one more announcement that I need to give you. And it's a very, very serious announcement indeed. And um, a little while ago, I had the unfortunate experience of having someone vandalize my car. And I went to a gospel meeting and came out to discover my car. Unfortunately, what the culprit didn't realize is that they were caught on camera. And uh, the camera shot. (laughs) So, I don't know where she is, but um, she's wanted dead or alive. And in fact, I'm even offering a reward. So would you uh, come and see me afterwards? But bring her head on a platter. It's fine. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 is where you need to be. I'm going to ask Anna if she would read that for us. So open up to Luke 9. Give me a short passage. And then I'm going to take you straight into our message for this morning. and went up onto the mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his, saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, One for Moses and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. Right, thank you, Anna. If you could uh, put up my first slide. Well, I need to say to you that it's really, it, it is so good to be uh, back with you this morning, uh, back having the privilege of opening up uh, God's Word together. And, and, and can you believe it's, it's just two weeks to go, as Sam has said, just two weeks to go until another Christmas. It seems to have sort of jumped up on us, hasn't it? So suddenly here, quickly. And I wouldn't blame you for thinking that Exodus chapter 40 would be one of the weirdest passages when leading up to Christmas. 
But I hope to show you in the next 30 minutes or so that Exodus chapter 40 is a spectacular Christmas passage. And there's a title for you. It's the first part of a series, probably three or four in the series, but the first one is called The Tabernacle of God. The Tabernacle of God. Now, as we, as we start, you might remember Jesus is risen from the dead and he meets two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And Luke tells us in Luke 24, 27, and he says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And it was just a couple of verses later where after Jesus reveals himself, they see who he is, and then he's whisked away or he goes somewhere else. They turn to each other, these two disciples, and they say, were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? And all I could hope for and all I could pray for this morning is that as you see Jesus come out of Exodus 40, as you see him come out of the Old Testament this morning, that there would be something of a burning A burning for Christ as you see and savor something of His glory. Now, as you know, there were at least three groups of people who saw Jesus when He was born. Do you remember who they were? And you can sort of interact with me. Who who were the first, most obvious people that saw Jesus? Hmm? How about mom and dad? Okay, so come with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 6. Luke chapter 2, verse 6. So, so this, is, this is Mary and Joseph. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Here's the question. Who exactly did they place in that manger? Who exactly did Mary give birth to? Who did they put in that manger? Who was the second group of people that saw Jesus when he was born? Luke chapter 2 and verse 15 to 17. When the angels had left the shepherds and gone back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger when they had seen him. Who exactly did the shepherd see in the manger? Who exactly did they go to see in Bethlehem? Hmm, maybe. Who is the thanks, Peter? Who is the third group of people that saw Jesus? Hmm. Remember the wise men or the magi? Have a look at Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped, and then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, who exactly did the Magi see? Who exactly did they bow down before? To whom exactly did they give gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Perhaps you could finish this statement, and we'll finish it at the end. In a way they could never have fully understood at the time, Mary Joseph lay 
in the manger. The shepherds saw in the manger and the magi were worshipping. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 40 as I take you to our first heading. And I've called it the trajectory of Exodus. And what I mean by that, as we go into Exodus in chapter 40, I actually want you to see the whole book. I want you to sort of see how the book starts, how the book ends. I want you to see the, the scriptural arc, as we might call it. So here's the trajectory of Exodus. And we start in chapter 1, verse 11, where it says they put Israel, the Israelites, God's people, they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Pittim and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. Here's the starting point in Exodus. God's people are in captive slavery. You with me? They're in slavery in Egypt under the hand of Pharaoh. But just a chapter later, if you turned over to chapter 2, verse 24, it says that God heard their groaning and He remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. You've got God's people groaning in Israel, groaning in Egypt. They're under captive slavery, but God is deeply concerned about them. He deeply loves them. He has a care for them. As you sit here this morning, in so many of the troubles and the trials and the difficulties that we have as God's people today, God often doesn't remove the difficulties, does He? God often doesn't take them away. God often doesn't send a rescuer. What I want you to know as God's child here this morning, no matter what the trial, the trouble, or the tribulation, God's heart is for you. He's deeply concerned for you. He has a compassion for you as his child. But as we continue the story, God does step in, doesn't he? And you might remember that God calls Moses at the burning bush earlier in the chapter, and then he says to Moses, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Do you see it? God's people are in captive slavery in Egypt, yet God, out of his love for them, he has compassion and concern for them, and he sends a rescuer to take them out of their misery. That's how the book starts. But now if you've got your Bible, have a look at chapter 40 and verse 34, and let's see how, how the book ends. Here's the trajectory. Here's where it goes. Here's the last chapter. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not even enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Do you see it? The book ends with God's people rescued from Egypt. And now the book ends with God's glory, with His presence in the form of a cloud filling the tabernacle. He rescues them to take them to see and savor something of His presence. But if you look at that carefully, do you notice something. 
Where's Moses? Where are the people? Look at the verse in verse 35. Where's Moses? He's where? He's outside the tent, isn't he? He's actually not in the presence of God. And just that little detail alerts you to the truth that what you've got here, however spectacular this might have been, it is a mere tasting tantalizer of something so much bigger and so much greater. The climax of the construction of the tabernacle is the glorious infilling of God Himself. So here's the trajectory. God has rescued His people from the slavery of Egypt and He has taken them all the way to the tabernacle where God fills it with Himself so that they might savor His presence. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when Howard was preaching on Matthew chapter 5, verse 8? Blessed are the pure in heart. Howard, what comes next? Since you preached it. He doesn't... <laughs> Blessed are the pure in heart because they will see. I wonder what you count as one of your greatest blessings. As a child of God, your greatest blessing is God Himself. It is seeing Him. It is being with Him. It is seeing and savoring His presence and His glory. Romans chapter 5, verse 2 says, And yet we hope, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's the Christian hope. The hope of the, of the glory of God. The hope of dwelling in His presence forever. Do you think it was quite a sight? Do you think as God filled the tabernacle with Himself? Do you think it was spectacular? But just a little, a little taste of something so much better. So from the trajectory of Exodus, we move to the tabernacle itself. So if you've got your Bible, Exodus chapter 40, and that was read for us, and one thing I hope that you picked up as we read through the chapter, I wonder if you noticed the meticulous detail with which Moses had to build the tabernacle. And I, and, I, and I hope that you noticed how many times it says, and Moses did what God commanded. So for example, if you have a look at verse 16, Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. Mentioned again in verse 19, verse 21, verse 22, verse 26, verse 32, and Moses did everything that God commanded him. The tabernacle was meticulously designed by God. Because it's God's. It's God's tent. It's God's tabernacle. It's God's dwelling place. It's a place where God has chosen to reveal Himself to his people. There is nothing in the tabernacle that is left to man's or Moses' imagination or creativity. I want you to stop and pause for just a moment. I really want you to know this morning that God does not leave anything to chance in your life. God has designed meticulously your life. 
The details in your life are exactly where God would have them be. God's providence is through absolutely every single thing in your life, even to the amount of hairs that are on your head, even if you don't have many, like Danny or Rob. The tabernacle was the dwelling place for the glorious presence of God according to His design. And I'm going to bring up a picture which I hope will just uh, make it nice and big as it uh, comes up on the screen. I want you to just try and visualize this and I'm going to just connect you with, with the passage. And I hope that you'll notice as we, as we go, at, we, we'll start over here and remember this is, this is the holy place and this is the, this is the holy of holies. And I'll just turn my back on you for a moment. So if you notice in the passage in verse 3, we're told that there is the ark of the covenant. There's the ark of the covenant and that's behind the curtain in the holy of holies. If you look at the passage again in verse 3, we're told that inside the ark of the covenant are, are, the, are, the, are the covenant laws. What a beautiful way to describe the Ten Commandments. The covenant laws of God. They're in that box. They're in that, they're in that ark. And notice over here, this is where the mercy seat is. This is where the high priest would go in with the, with the blood of the Lamb once a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and there he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat in order to obtain forgiveness for the sins of Israel throughout the whole year. Notice if you've got your Bible in verse 4, we've got a, we've got a table here. This is in the holy place. And it was actually on this table that there was the bread. And then just on the opposite side of the holy, of, uh, the holy place was the lamp. And here is actually the golden sort of altar of incense. And this is where the high priest would come in. And this is where he would send up incense before God, but actually he was praying for God's people. And then outside here, it's not shown, but outside here would be in the basin of washing somewhere. That's where Aaron and the priest, they would all wash their hands and feet and body. And out here would have been the altar as well where they sacrificed the lamb and the bulls and the goats. Why don't you take a look at that picture? At the end of that design, if we go back there please, if we go at the end of the design, at the end of this meticulous design, says, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. I wonder whether you've ever tried to imagine that, what that would be like. And no picture can ever do it justice. But maybe, maybe it looks something like that. And God's presence fell on that tabernacle and but what we are told is that, that, that the cloud consumed every part of the tabernacle, every detail, every aspect. The presence of the Lord consumed every detail in the tabernacle. Again, pointing us forward to something so much bigger, so much better, and so much greater. 
So here in Exodus, we've got God rescuing His people from the slavery of Egypt, taking them to His glorious presence where He infills the tabernacle with Himself. Now we get to see where it goes. Have a look at the tabernacle of John with me. There are very few Bible translations that translate John chapter 1, verse 14 correctly from the Greek. And hopefully as you see it from the TLV, you'll see what's going on. The Word became flesh and made His tabernacle among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you see the connection? Do you see there's a, he said we saw a tabernacle, and we see glory. Do you see it? John's not saying that he is seeing a tabernacle with a cloud. Who is John seeing? He is seeing the tabernacled, glorious presence of God in Jesus Who did Mary and Joseph lay in that manger? Who did the shepherds see when they saw Jesus? Who did the Magi really bow down and worship? But things will come into sharper focus when we look at our next heading, the tabernacle in Luke. And if you've got your Bible turn there with me. And I hope you were sort of paying attention. It's when sort of Jesus takes Peter, James, and John and they go up where? Onto a, onto a high mountain. And you remember there was, a, there was a cloud and there was a voice and there was Jesus and there was Moses and there's Elijah, the whole lot of stuff going on. And I was just trying to picture something of the... Uh, uh, I don't know what, what sort of mountain it probably was. Some of you will recognize that mountain. It was a pretty high mountain. Anybody know where that is? Now, that's Table Mountain in Cape Town. I just thought I'd throw this in for good measure. I mean, when you compare the mountain to a rock, like, seriously? I don't think I need to say any more about that, do I? Not quite the same thing. Sorry, Aussies. But I wonder if you were listening to that passage... I wonder if you were listening when it said that Moses and Elijah were talking to Jesus. How's that? Having a chat on the mountain. Did you pick up what they were talking about? If you've got your Bible, have a look at chapter 9 and verse 30 and 31. And again, I want to give it to you. I want to give it to you how it should be translated. It's often just missed slightly. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. What were they speaking about? They spoke about his exodus. That's the Greek word, exodus, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. In other words, the rescue from Egypt, from the slavery of Pharaoh, would be fulfilled by Jesus, who rescues his people from the slavery of sin 
at the cross in Jerusalem. Jesus is the new Moses who rescues God's people not from Egypt, but from the slavery of their sin. And I think as we see this scene on the mountain, I think we can cut Peter some slack, can't we? I wonder how you might have responded when Moses and Elijah started chatting to Jesus. He probably would have fumbled and bumbled just like Peter. But have a look at verse 33. And it came to pass as, and I'll give it to you from the King James and the ASV, and it came to pass that as they were parting from him, Jesus said unto Jesus, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles. One for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because he didn't know what he was talking about. We don't need three tabernacles, Peter. Do we? We don't need to build three tabernacles. We don't need to build another tabernacle or another temple like the Orthodox and conservative Jews want to do today because the glorious tabernacle of God was standing where? Right there. Right there was the glorious tabernacle of God. And just in case you miss it, it doesn't come any clearer when you look at verse 34 to 36, while he was speaking, the cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I've chosen, listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. Why was Jesus suddenly alone? Well, just as you think about it, Again, another little picture of what it was probably like on that mountain. That's the cloud coming over Table Mountain. Why do Moses and Elijah suddenly disappear? Because the glory of God in Jesus Christ was on the mountain. The glorious tabernacle of God was right there in front of you. you don't need Moses. You don't need Elijah. You don't need a temple. You don't need another tent. You don't need another tabernacle. All you need is Jesus. Listen to him. Jesus is the new Moses. He is the new Elijah, if you like, at one level, who will do what? Set God's people free from their slavery to sin. Now watch how it all comes together in the tabernacle in Hebrews. Let me read a couple of verses together. Now watch this. Watch how the author of Hebrews pulls just about everything of Exodus 40 into these verses. You see, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, His body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, that is, draw near to God, 
with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let's go back to our picture for a moment. And stay with me as we look at this. What the Hebrew writer is saying, he's saying this curtain here, this curtain here which separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place, that curtain is in fact the body of Jesus at the cross that was torn so that now we have permanent full access always into the presence of God. The high priest who slaughters the lamb and brings the blood right up into the Holy of Holies once a year, sprinkling the blood on the mercy seat, is a picture of Jesus Christ shedding his blood on the cross and taking his blood into the very presence of the Father to forgive us our sins. Jesus Christ is the mercy seat over there because it's there that we gain forgiveness of our sins. We were reminded that in the box was the Ten Commandments or the, the covenant laws of God. Jesus Christ is the one that perfectly lives the covenant law so that we could have his righteousness. Have a look at this in Romans chapter 10, verse 4. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there might be righteousness for everyone who believes. And back to our picture one more time. Would you just make that big for me? The bread, the bread of presence, points to Jesus, the bread of life. He's the bread of heaven whom we eat by faith unto eternal life. Just across the way was the lamp, and the lamp is Christ. Christ is the light of the world who brings life and light to those who believe. The basin of cleansing which was over here is about Christ who cleanses our hearts, purifies our hearts by His grace and His forgiveness and mercy at the cross. Every single detail in the tabernacle pointed to something of the glory of Jesus Christ. And that's why when he, <laughs> Jesus says to Philip, Philip, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the glory of the Father. If you've seen me, you are looking at the very presence of God himself. Let me pull these tabernacling strands together under my final heading for you, the tabernacle of God. Perhaps now we're in a position to actually answer the question, so who exactly did Mary and Joseph put in that manger? Who exactly did the shepherds go to see? Who exactly was it that the Magi gave their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh? 
for in Christ all the fullness of daily lives in bodily form. In Christ all the glory of daily lives. For in Christ all the presence of daily lives in bodily form. Do you remember, do you remember Acts chapter 7 after they were killing Stephen? They were about to, he was about to be martyred because he was preaching the gospel. It says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. You see it? Who is the glory? It's Jesus. So, who were Mary looking at? Who was Mary and Joseph looking at? Who were the shepherds looking at? To whom were the Magi bowing? Let me give you a list. Here's, here we go. They were looking at the tabernacle of God. They were looking at the presence of God in human flesh. They were looking at the glory of God. They were looking at the one who lived the laws of God perfectly so that we could have righteousness. They were looking at the life of light. They were looking at the bread of life. They were looking at the prayerful high priest. They were looking at Emmanuel, God with us. They were looking at the new Moses who had come to set his people free from their bondage to sin. And one day, one day will take us into his very presence in the glory of God. Christian, do you know where it all ends? Do you know where it ends? Do you know where we're going? Do you know where you're going? I need to tell you, you're not going to sit on a cloud in heaven and strum your harp. That's not where it ends. Let me show you where it ends. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And here it comes. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's tabernacle is among the people, and He will tabernacle with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. You realize that your hope, Christian, your hope is dwelling in the glorious presence of God in Christ for eternity. So, how do you celebrate Christmas? Ask yourself these questions. Is Jesus God with you? Is Jesus your mercy seat? Is Jesus' body your curtain? Is Jesus your high priest? Is Jesus your bread of life? Is Jesus your light of life? Is Jesus your tabernacle? 
is Jesus your glory? Is Jesus your life, your death, your resurrection, and your hope of glory? Can you finish it? Boys, girls, moms, dads, others. Who are you looking at this Christmas? Who are you worshipping? I'll ask the music team if they'll come and join me up front. <laughs>